want to start a new series today. Um, it's a series called Disruption. <clears throat> and so let me start with just a couple of stories. Um, this uh, message won't take very long. Um, it's pretty short, at least to get going, but we're going to be talking about this in the coming weeks. And so just wanted to kind of set a framework for it. There's a, a story told of Henry Ford in the early 1900s. <clears throat> he uh, obviously wanted to build automobiles, and so he began to check out different uh, avenues for the production of these automobiles. And so he went and talked to the train manufacturers, to the, uh, to the executives, different train companies. And uh, they had plants that were um, not being used, and uh, he was trying to make a deal with them where if he used their, their plant, then somehow they could partner with him. And so it was an opportunity for both of them. Uh, he was a very astute businessman. And so when he approached them and he talked about it, this is what they said to him. They said, we don't want to do that because we're not in the automobile industry. We're in the train industry. Um, well, obviously, it turns out that um, they were both in the transportation industry, and the transportation industry was about to be majorly disrupted. Um, you see this story repeated in different places and businesses. Walmart is, is a good example, whether you like them or whether you don't. You probably shop there whether you like them or whether you don't. Um, but they disrupted small grocers. And I remember when they first started coming on board in a huge way, uh, the, there was such an uproar about you're, you're destroying these local businesses, you're destroying these mom-and-pop businesses. This is the way they've been doing it for a very long time. And, uh, and Walmart saw an opportunity, and so whether you like it or not, they moved on it. And, of course, they basically took that over and put almost every single one of those guys out of business. And so again, a market was disrupted. Uh, Amazon did the same thing, dis disrupting brick and mortar uh, stores. It turns out that you can actually purchase stuff online. They'll actually bring it right to your door. And if you haven't used them lately, you probably missed a pretty big opportunity because it's, it's a pretty amazing thing that, um, that has been made available by them. Uh, Uber and Lyft was the same concept with uh, the taxi industry. Uh, it turns out that if you were a driver and you had a car, you could actually go pick people up and take them places. They've even... Uh, kind of disrupted the pizza industry and some of the other industries because they figure if the guy's in a car, he can deliver people or he can deliver pizzas or he can deliver anything. So it may as well make use of it. So the whole thing about this is obviously we're in a season right now of disruption in our own lives, disruption with this pandemic that's come. It's changed the way we do um, everything. Life It's changed the way we do church in many ways for, uh, for many churches. Um, it's changed the way we we're doing business. Some businesses are, are falling apart. They They've basically been discontinued, for lack of a better term. And some of them, there's a lot of concern that they actually won't come back online. Obviously, some of them will, like restaurants, and we're going to go out to eat, especially when this when we've been given the go-ahead, we're probably going to flood these places. But a lot of businesses have been have, have gone away, and new businesses have arisen. I was just talking to a friend of mine. We're working on, obviously, a lot of uh, uh, hardware and different things that we need software and try to do a better job on Sunday mornings and just getting information out in a world that's totally new to us. And, uh, and his business has exploded because his business is audio, and normally that was in churches and doing seminars and helping people and doing concerts. And, of course, that part of it dropped to nothing. But what exploded was the need for um, training on how to do live streaming and audio and, and how to put these connections together. And so his business has exploded, and he can't, he can't keep up. He's having to hire people. It's, just, it's, it's good in a lot of ways. But it's changed. And the whole idea is, is that change is coming 
and has come to every single one of us. And uh, disruption is a little bit of an interesting word, so I'm going to just give you a couple definitions. Disruption is defined as a disturbance or a problem which interrupts an event, activity, or process. And here's the kicker. It's often permanent. And that's the difference between a disruption and an interruption. Interruption is defined as a break in the continuity of something for a time. It's temporary. And what we're finding is that there are some things that this has interrupted our life. This the scenario is interrupting our life. But many of the things that, that have happened are actually going to disrupt. In other words, they're not going to go back to normal. We're going to go back to something, but it's going to be a new normal. And that's what I want to, I want to talk about. And so there are different ways to respond to what's going on right now. And so I want to talk for a second just about the difference between a response and a reaction. This is not probably something new to us, but again, I want to lay the groundwork and the framework as we build into this series about what God is doing, what's the new normal, what's happening in this way. So again, there's a difference. And what we find is most people react rather than respond. So a reaction is based uh, in the moment. It happens quickly usually. Um, It doesn't often take into consideration the long-term effects of what you're going to do or what you're going to say or how you're going to move on in the the future. A reaction is typically survival-oriented. And on some level, it's a defense mechanism. Again, it's not anything we don't know. But a response is differently. Response, sorry, a response is different. A response, on the other hand, usually comes more slowly. Um, it, it, it often isn't quick. A response isn't as quick as oftentimes we would like it to be. <clears throat> but a, a response is more slow, slow to come on, and oftentimes it's more thorough, it's more thought out, and it has more long-term implications and repercussions. So reacting to a, disrupt, a disruption is what a lot of people have been doing. They've been uh, often reaction is something that's based in fear and a response is something that's based in faith. And so you're, we're seeing people in the survival instinct. Um, I just read uh, in Australia, someone tried to return, um, you know, several thousands of dollars worth of toilet paper because his Amazon account was shut down. And what he did is he went out and he bought all the toilet paper and, and uh, liter bottles of hand sanitizer. And you've heard these stories they are happening everywhere. And, and the whole idea was he was going to take, uh, take advantage of, of the market disruption. And so he bought all this toilet paper and then it turns out that the market caught up and it wasn't as big a disruption as he thought. And now he's stuck with thousands and thousands of dollars of toilet paper that he can't um, he can't get rid of. Um, same thing with the hand sanitizer. And so he tried to take it back to the place where he bought it with his receipts in hand. And the guy just basically told him that's not going to happen. So thankfully. But, but that's what happens. There's a reaction. It happens quick. He didn't think through what happens if, if people see this. Amazon doesn't support it because it's price gouging and on and on and on. He didn't think that through. So it was a reaction rather um, than a response. And like I said, responding is usually based in faith. And it almost always means that an opportunity has arisen. Um, Karen has shared this in numerous places and in, um, in here on Sunday mornings as well, that when the Great Depression hit in the 20s, more millionaires and eventually billionaires came out of that tragedy than almost anything else. So we had so many, there were more suicides that occurred, especially in Wall Street, people literally just jumping out of buildings because everything they knew had been completely disrupted and they knew it was permanent. They knew it wasn't, it wasn't temporary. It wasn't going to go back to normal. It was going to be something different. And so in reaction, depression and fear set in and the only way out to them was, was, was a final, you know, the finality of death. But so many others took a breath 
and said, what, what opportunity is in the midst of this? Because there's something inside of us when we have a response, when there's faith inside of us, there's something inside of us, even if we don't know God, there's something inside of us that says something good is possible here. Even in tragedy, I've seen enough of the world to know even if I don't know God, that something good can come out of something that was meant for evil, which of course we know is a scriptural truth. And so I want to share a couple of stories. Well, actually, just one story today, but as we go forward, some stories from Scripture. This story is in Peter in Acts chapter 10. And so I'm just going to give you a summary of what happens in Acts chapter 10 and keep it short. So uh, this Roman uh, centurion named Cornelius, the Bible says he's God-fearing. He's, he's put away idolatry, and he's, he's trying to discover who God is, this, this Jewish God, this God uh, um, that is not an idol. And so he begins to pursue this, and he begins to give. He gets generous. He's trying to find out who this God is. In his prayers that are being offered up, God speaks to him and says, send for the man called Peter. And he tells him where he is in a vision, supernaturally. He sends people out to go get him. Uh, he travels. The man travels. The guys travel. And they get to where Peter is staying. And in the meantime, Peter is having a vision. So in this, in this vision, um, Peter is being told by God. He's, he's shown all these unclean animals according to the law. And he's told them, and, and God is telling him, uh, Jesus is telling him, rise, Peter, kill, and eat. And, and this is really interesting. Um, in the process of this, of course, Peter says no. He, he says, absolutely not. I've never done that. It's not what I'm going to do. He pushes back three times. The Lord comes back and goes after him about this. And then finally, he, he accepts that what the Lord is saying, but he doesn't understand what it is. And so he knows it's the Lord talking to him, and it's a massive disruption in everything he's ever known about God. Everything, in, everything he's ever known about how God relates to humanity. Because in, this, in his pre-disruption life, God related to mankind through Judaism, through the Jewish people, through a people, through a man called Abraham that he was going to bless. And because he blessed him, the nations of the world would be blessed, but they had to come through the, the covenant of Abraham. And so in the process of this, I'm just going to read it um, here in just a second. But Peter is wondering, and in the moment, somebody knocks on the door and invites him to go into this process. So let me just read this. This is Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 16. It says, About noon the following day as they were on their journey, these people coming from Cornelius, approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry, wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners, and it contained all kinds of four-footed animals <clears throat> as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord. So he knew it was the Lord saying to him he needs to do this, but his reaction, his instant reaction was, this can't be what you're trying to get me to do, Lord. It makes no sense. And that's true in the old way of thinking. It didn't make sense in an old way of thinking. So what God's trying to do is bring us into a new way of thinking about things. This is the constant pattern of growth and maturity um, to release the inheritance of God into our lives. And so he says, surely not, in verse 14, Peter replied, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke a second time. Don't call anything impure that God has made clean. Think about that statement. You can't call something something that God hasn't called it that <laughs> you just can't do it and so the verse 16 says this happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back into heaven and so again this fear 
of the repercussions of eating something that, that was unclean. There was something tied to that in that old normal, in the old way of doing things that caused fear to rise up inside of him. But God obviously did this on purpose because he was trying to get his attention. So let me just take a pause here for a second and deal with some theology. Um, there's a, a movement, the sovereignty movement, sovereignty of God movement. Now, I believe in the sovereignty of God. Um, it's clear in Scripture. And I've taught into this in, in, in series after series about this. The danger of it is this. Our mentality comes back to because it happened, God meant for it to happen. And that's not true. So if we live our lives that way, then why pray? Why do anything? Why act differently? Just whatever comes, comes. Whatever happens, it must have been God. And that's a horrible way to live live your life. Don't do that. So that's just a bit of theology I wanted to get out of the way. So Acts 10, 17, it says, While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was was and stopped at the gate. So... Are you wondering, with everything that's happened, again, get the theology out of the way, did God cause a pandemic? And the answer is, of course he didn't. Karen mentioned this as we were opening this morning, that God is a God of love, and everything he does, he does out of actions of love. There is a worldview in Christianity that explains why why bad things happen to so-called good people. There, There is a theology, there is a worldview that explains everything about our life. It's, it's the only worldview that I, at least that I've discovered, that is actually has any sense of, of, of a, a continuation or continuity at all. Everything else, and I've looked at many, everything else makes no sense. So God didn't cause it, but God is moving in the midst of this. Again, while God gave this word to Peter before it came, and many of us have heard the Lord speak to us about things in our life that didn't make sense but are beginning to make sense now. And so Peter had to stop and think and process and be transformed in a new way of thinking. This is literally what repent means. In this moment, Peter was repenting. And the word literally means to take on a new mind. The the Greek word is metanoia, to take on, to develop, to receive a new mind, to think differently. You can't think the old way. And so this is literally what it meant. Acts 11 is really, really interesting. It jumps into the next chapter, and it says this, The apostles and believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him. So remember, um, his reaction, his initial reaction is, Never, Lord, I will never eat anything unclean. And had God not given him that vision, this disruption disruption that was occurring... In, in, the, in the order of things, Jesus had begun to promise that this, this good news was not just to the Jews, but it was to every human being on the planet. The angels had come and said, this is good news for all men. And so they had forgotten that. They didn't understand how that was working, and so they just kind of put it off to the side. It had gone into an old way of thinking, and it didn't fit, so they'd taken it literally out and put it somewhere else. And we often do the same thing. When God is trying to talk to us about a new thing, we won't give Him time. We don't do like what Peter did, We don't sit and wonder. 
We just go back into the distractions of the day. And that's something Karen mentioned that, you know, about the, about the, the, the singer and the picture of, of all this, the cities with no one on the streets. There's a season, and I know some people are busier than they were before all this happened, but some of us and many of us are not. And, and, and there's an opportunity to wonder, to sit and go, God, what are you doing in the earth? What is it that you are doing? We know what the, the enemy meant for evil. We know he meant to destroy and to take away relationships and, and to and to withdraw people and bring loneliness and depression and fear and eventually death. That is the only thing he does. That is what he does. It's what scripture says in John 10. He, is, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But that's not what Jesus does. He comes to bring life and life more abundantly. And this is what we see. We see Peter coming in response, a thought through process. Okay, now what does all this mean? And go back and read. It's an amazing story. And he's saying this, the circumcised believers criticize him. His response, he knows, is going to be criticized. And so he thinks it through. Verse 3 says, and he says, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and you ate with them. <gasps> the horror, right? Because again, the old way of thinking, that was not allowed. Verse 4, it says, and I love this, starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. And so Peter goes back and he talks about the dis this disruption, this vision. And, and the Bible goes on to say, it's, I'm not going to read it, but it goes on to say, then their discussion and their, their hearing this and their determination was, then God has come to the Gentiles also. Duh, right? Jesus had literally been saying that, but it didn't fit in their new way of thinking. And then the whole rest of the new covenant, Paul writing into this goes after the Judaizers because the Judaizers are stuck in an old way of thinking and they can't change their mind. They can't allow their mind to be transformed. And what God is doing in this disruption is he is challenging you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is what God is going after. He's going from disruption to transformation in your life. Most of us have been given this gift of time I was talking about, to think, to pray, to process, to change, to transform. But we don't have to do anything with it. We can do nothing. And when this is all over, for lack of a better term, when we go back, whatever that means, if we're not careful, we will go back to the old way of thinking having learned nothing from the Lord, having not received any revelation, having not received any transformation from the Lord. And that, my friend, would be a travesty. And so we cannot go back to the old normal. Make no mistake, this has not been just an interruption, a temporary break in the continuity of something for a time. This has been a disruption, a disturbance or problem which interrupts an event, activity or process permanently. And if you will hear this, God is bringing you into a new normal, a new way of thinking, the, the old way of thinking. I've, I've, I've had this happen numerous times, and many of you have as well, where God, I go into something that God, is, I see change, and I recognize a disruption, but I don't know what to do with it. And the danger is to keep doing what you've been doing, and if you do that, you're going to keep getting what you've been getting in a new season, and God never meant for that to happen. Change comes to every single one of us. It's what we do with this change, this disruption, that's going to matter. So let me close with this. This is Mark 1.15, talking of Jesus beginning to proclaim the good news. It says, the time has come. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent 
and believe the good news. So this is a picture of Jesus beginning the process of preaching this disruption to the old way of thinking. For thousands of years, a covenant a covenant had been in place, but it, this was a progressive revelation of God. And the part, part of the challenge of a progressive revelation is when you're in the one before, you can't see the one that's coming. You have to hear God. You have to have revelation come to you. You can't necessarily think this up yourself. God reveals it to you. And when that comes to you, you have to make a decision to be changed. You have to let the revelation that God comes to you, when it comes to you, to change not just your thinking, but how you act because of how you're thinking. And so this disruption occurred. Jesus is bringing a disruption. And he, there were two things that he said we must do when this time has come, when this disruption, this, this moment has come. He says this, first of all, repent. That literally means to take on a new mind, to think differently, not just any differently, but think like God thinks. Literally, Scripture says, um, Paul says, I have the mind of Christ. So there's something about being given the mind of Christ. It's a revelation that comes. It's not special revelation. It's not yours alone. That's why we're in community. That's why we have to process. We're not, we're not Jesus. We're, we're Christians and we're little Christ, but we're not the big Christ. And then the second thing he said was to believe, to take on a new mind, repent to think differently, to have revelation come and change the way you think. You can't think the old way, but then something else has to occur. You must take action based on the new thinking. That's what believing is. You're being presented with a truth and you have to decide, first of all, is it truth? Is the source of this truth reliable? And of course we know God's truth is. If that's true, then what are the implications now to my life? What must I do because of this new truth, this new way of thinking that God has revealed to me? What must I do? And here's what you cannot be. You cannot be passive. You cannot do nothing. Because if you, take, if you do nothing, you will go into a new season and, and the inheritance that God meant for you to receive through this new way of thinking and this taking action on, action on this new way of thinking, you will not receive the inheritance that God meant for you. And this is a season of an inheritance. So take the appropriate action based on what God has revealed. I said before, it's not just personal revelation. Don't keep this to yourself. You notice when Peter got this revelation, he did, didn't just start with it. He went and he talked to the brothers and he said, this is what I've received. This is what I believe God is saying. What do you guys think? And the Bible says, then it looks like this new way of thinking came to them as well. It was a community event, if you can imagine. <clears throat> and he said then God has come to the Gentiles as well. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get God's word in you so that it can change the way you think. His ways, I've said this in recent weeks, his ways are not like our ways. The scripture says it this way, he is altogether not like us. We are like him. He is the source, not us. We cannot make God into the image that we want him to be. We have to, we have to do something with the revealed information he has given us, but he's given us plenty of that. In Scripture, and the Bible says in Hebrews, in the last days, through His Son, Jesus. Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus is a perfect understanding of who God is. Jesus is transformed thinking. His ways are higher. They're different. And they're better. So let me pray. Lord, we just say thank you so much for a disruption. Lord, again, the enemy meant for it to be harmful and destructive and, and to take life. But Jesus, what you're doing is you're taking this and you're making it work for good. 
And so, Lord, especially those who are called according to the purposes you've given us, Lord, to walk our, in, in our lives in the direction, in, in the lordship of heaven. And so, Lord, as we lean into that, Lord, this new path, this new direction, this new normal, God, is full of an inheritance, Lord, that you have poured out before the foundations of time through your son, Jesus, in revelation of who he is, God. Your inheritance is going to flow into our lives and through our lives into the lives of others. Lord, let that take precedent in our life. Let it take precedence in our life. Lord, let it rise up and begin to take over. Let this new way of thinking, Lord, cause us to take different action, a new way of acting to believe into this new revelation that you're giving us of who you are and how you work in our lives and how you want to work in other people's lives. And for that, Lord, we are thankful. In Jesus' name, amen.